Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun-filled, fun-packed episode of Conversations about dot, dot, dot. My name is Will. I have the multi-talented uh, Jingles Roscoe with me today here. We're going to talk about some Ninja Turtle, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, the latest movie coming out. Yeah, uh, let's go. Minor is uh, on assignment. And as always, you know, it won't be. We know it won't be the same without him. But we're gonna champion on. So first, he thing, was gonna have the day off today, but because of some some bull smiz that happened at his job, he was forced to come in. I'm very very upset. He had the day off today. He was going to join us. We went to the movies together last night. It was awesome. And then this kind of stuff happens. <sighs> okay, I'm over it. Okay, good deal. Um, so, yeah, we will be recording together next week, I believe, as long as everything is copacetic, and we'll be getting some stuff together on some things. Uh, I'm going to post a question for next week now, so that way you guys can hear it and be thinking about it in your heads here. Uh, so the question yes. that I'm posting here right now, before we before we get started on the, on the TMNT Mutant Mayhem, if a hero kills does that make him a hero or is he still a hero that's the question that was specifically asked uh question that was inspired by mr ben dunn uh he on the weekends likes to post different questions and so that was the question he posted and so just Mm -hmm. something to think about as you go into next week's um episode you know, not that we're going to answer that now. We will talk about it then, but we'll just just to think about it a little bit. So, Norman, we've talked about our favorite Ninja Turtles in past episodes, but for this particular movie, Jingles, what I want to know from you is who is your favorite turtle for this particular iteration? Okay, look, Donatello is always one hundred percent going to be hashtag best turtle always, and this movie once again didn't disappoint in that. Donatello was, in fact, hashtag best turtle once again. But I will say that the other turtles were also very, very good in this as well. Okay. Um, I And it's funny because my answer is going to fall pretty similar to what I've already said about my favorite turtle, but for more for the storyline reasons. Um, Leonardo has always been my favorite turtle primarily because, you know, Katana's. But in this movie, it's interesting, too, because he doesn't start off as the leader of the team, he's kind of just, it seems like he's kind of the straight laced, most straight laced out of the group. And so he's not really the leader yet. It's, it's more as he has to step up into that role because he realizes that if there's not a, if there's not a point man on this team, it's going to be very hard for them to function together. But when they function, when they are on point and there's somebody that's able to steer them in a proper direction as a team, they work a lot better. And so I thought that was really interesting. It's not the normal like struggle like in the comics that have been done or in other movies where it's like Leo's the leader, but he's struggling to figure out how to be the leader. It's more like he didn't really want that spot, but he knew he had to take it up. Well, um, I- I'm going to disagree with you slightly there. Okay. Because earlier in the movie, the others did say you're supposed to be the leader, but it wasn't until that part and the end when when they needed to take care of that superfly whale thing that Leo finally accepted and it's like I'm going to start acting like a leader and start 
having my brothers do what they do best in this situation okay. in order to defeat the monster. Yeah, and I'd forgotten that that was that line in the movie about that, specifically about them saying you're supposed to be the leader. Because I know my favorite part, I think, in the movie is when, you know, early on when Splinter is, catches them all coming in and, you know, they always said, you know, well, he never knows how long it does, takes us to get the groceries, you know, for all we know, it could take us four hours to get the groceries. But it's, um, and, and then he basically tells all them. And so, you know, then it's just that interesting thing. And then, you know, they're just like, Leo, gosh. Huh. <laughs> a very Wow, Will, I didn't know you were so cool with a snitch on the team. Oh, look, it, I thought it was a character thing. You know what they say about snitches, Will. In the Ninja Turtles world, snitches, get, snitches are protected by katana blades. anyway um but i thought that was really cool and different that that, that's that's my favorite personification of it and um i'm gonna get this out of the way right now before we continue april o'neill in the comics was not originally black she had a perm i need y'all that are sitting there coming up with this whole narrative about this before yeah this whole narrative that april was black is not the case but here's the deal there's another iteration of the show the uh, one of the greatest Ninja Turtle series ever, some would say, uh, the rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where April's black there too. So there's already an iteration yes, I, where I, that's occurring. I'm gonna just I'm gonna point this out because there are two truths that are happening here that it seems that most people online can't seem to comprehend. One, yes, the original iteration of April O'Neil was white. But we have had other iterations of April that has been non-white. Uh, and in, in some of those are black. And then others, there's like an ambiguous, like, we're not really sure what ethnicity she is, but she's definitely not white. Um, there's been different iterations. And some people are going to be like, but O'Neill is like a, an Irish name. And it's like, well, what about Shaquille then? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, there are two <laughs> truths that exist here. One, black people can have that last oh name O'Neill. That reminds me so much of the moment from Charlie's Angels 2. Yes, I've watched both of the Charlie's Angels movies, and I'm talking about the old school ones with Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore, not the crazy one that they did after that with uh, Kristen Stewart and a whole bunch of other people I really know. Uh but there is that scene in there where Bernie Mac is there, and he's all like, "You ain't never heard a black man be Irish." The Shamrock Shake, <laughs> so my brother created that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you said the thing about O'Neill, that's what got me laughing. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we've talked about this before. I don't want to like get into it for too much, but yes, April's black in this. But this has not been the first iteration where she's been black or even non-white in general. So, like, maybe stop freaking out about it. Right. And here's a funny thing. Uh, apparently, in Target, there's a toy. And a bunch of people were jumping on, and they were saying that there's a toy where it's a box of, like, I think it's all four turtles, plus April, plus, I'm trying to remember, and help me out here, Jingles, because I know you're going to know this better than I do. Uh, which one did Seth Rogen play? I know it's Bebop or Rocksteady, but I don't remember which one. That was that was Bebop. Bebop, I was yeah. Seth Rogen was Bebop, and John Cena was Rocksteady. Okay, and so uh, Bebop was in the box too. So it was April, and then the Turtles, and then Bebop, which I really kind of wished we had gotten Rocksteady too. I'm like, if you're gonna do one of the mutants, 
out and that team up. Just do both of them, but that's just me. But anyway, uh, so there's a lighter skinned version of April that I'm pretty sure was a miscoloring and the toy. And like I've been seeing miscolorings of toys since Lando Calrissian was an action figure back in the day in the Star Wars figures. Because there are some Lando toys that are much darker than others. And they were saying, oh, well, it's China. The reason why it's doing it is China um, is because China doesn't want to see a black girl on the thing. And yes, their picture did get changed. Their poster did get changed. Okay. April is a lot smaller on the Japanese poster too. Or Chinese poster too. But here's the thing. There aren't, Target came out with a statement, I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday, and they said, there are not targets in Japan. So why would we cater toys that are target exclusives to a place we don't have a store in? It was an era at the company of Playmates. That's all it was. Yeah, is that the company that owns them right that's now? The company that, that's the company that made, the, made that particular line, I think. It was either, because I know... Hasbro, of course, owns them, but I think the Playmates is the one that's doing the figures. Yeah, I was, I, was, I needed to look it up again. Yeah, Playmates is owned, uh, or is is in Hong Kong. Okay. And Hong Kong is 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 like the most global part of China. Mm-hmm. Like it's part of China, but it's also like it's pretty separate from China to the point where yeah. even like people in Hong Kong would like to have their own independence from China because you know, they're, they're a very, it's a global melting pot. It's like New York, right? But on the Chinese mainland. So, okay. um, it, when it comes to like, uh, people complaining about like, um, about like racial things when it comes to China, when it comes to like mainland China, like in like Beijing and places like that, like I, I would understand. But when it's like Hong Kong, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Just because I know there, it's a big racial melting pot. Right. In Hong Kong. Right. And Hong Kong is where you get that big mashup of culture, too, where there's like yep. a lot of the hip hop culture and things like that that is bled into there and a lot of different f- photography, even a lot more of like the urban street style of like the graffiti and things like that is over in Hong Kong. So, yeah, it's just an interesting thing. Uh, now, I am going to ask another question because I'm going to talk about this first. Uh, changes to the lore of the turtle for this particular iteration that you were like, okay, I can get down with this, but I mean, I understand it's a change from the lore, but I can get down with it. Or mm-hmm. it's a change to the lore. You were like, I'm not for sure how I feel about that. Uh, mm-hmm. So either way. So I'm going to say that... Splinter just being a normal rat and not being tied to a master who taught him the martial arts and that he learned yes. the martial arts through like a series of Hong Kong, Hong Kong action flicks and karate VHS tapes <laughs> was kind How of How do you like that? He learned Kung Fu the same way you did. Right, right. right exactly. He learned <laughs> martial arts just like me and, and that feels he, weird. He, I wonder how many times he watched Two Fists Against the Law. You know, I'm, I'm wondering how many times he watched Flying Guillotine and tried to figure out how to make a guillotine out of like, you know, a laundry basket and a rope. I don't know. Absolutely. That never. I never did it. Never drove my mom crazy with stuff like that ever. <laughs> or took like a broomstick and tried to do bow staff training outside in the front yard. Yep. Or anything like that. No. Oh no. Never happened. Nope. You know how I lived to almost be fifty years old. I, I won't. I don't know. It's a miracle. 
But uh, yeah, him learning off of Kung Fu flicks and stuff like that, instead of learning from a master, is a bit strange to me just because, again, I kind yes. of feel like that's an important part of the story for Splinter. Mm-hmm. But there again, I'm like, okay, I understand this iteration is a different iteration. So it's like, okay, they're going this direction. I get it, but I'm not a fan of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, um, I'm I'm in the same boat with you. Um, it reminded me very much of the Michael Bay uh, produced, not directed, produced uh, Team and T movies that came out. Uh, one of the things that I was really annoyed with in like the that iteration was like. Um, in that also, um, Splinter was just like a normal rat. And like the only explanation of why he knew like martial arts is that they showed him like get kind of like a karate pamphlet. Yeah. And like they're like he read that and became like a, a master of martial arts somehow. And I'm like, that's a really weak explanation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not a big fan of that. But at the very least, um, with this movie it it's a very similar thing he's not connected to the foot he's not like in other iterations either um hamato yoshi's rat or is uh hamato yoshi himself depending on which iteration you're right watching right um so he didn't he doesn't have that training but he he knew that he needed to learn how to defend himself and was able to in they showed it in the movie like it wasn't just like one video that he watched oh, it was a whole bunch of stuff he, he watched like a whole bunch of self defense videos some of those like detroit self defense things <laughs> he he watched a whole bunch of jackie chan which i thought was like hilarious right it's like the um, guy that jackie chan playing playing splinter is watching uh watching the original uh drunken master Stuff right. with himself in it, playing the role as a yep. master. That's great. <laughs> and so, uh, I think it would have been interesting if, like, the movie explained, like, that's why his accents that way is because he watched a whole bunch of that. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. Um, I I did, but it showed like, and with the the discussion of he was studying, practicing, and doing all this stuff for fifteen years. Then I'm like, okay, I get it. He can. He he's practiced and he's been doing it for a long time. Right, I can see that he he's capable of of doing some stuff. And uh, I did appreciate that when uh, we actually start seeing the movie, like all of them starting to fight, like they're they're shown to be quite capable. But they're like, oh, this is the first time we've actually been in a fight. And even Splinter is just all like, oh, okay, uh, I guess I can fight. So I'm just I need to protect my boys. Right, right. But, you see, like, a moment of him just being all, I've never actually fought before. Right. But now I'm doing it, and luckily all this, like, muscle memory and practice is paying off. I also I also thought, I will say this in another side note into that, which uh, is another thing I loved. It was just something that uh, Kevin Eastman posted up on his Instagram, which was the one human that reached out his hand to help Splinter up when he got knocked down with the boys. Uh that was actually a caricature of Kevin Eastman. Mm-hmm. And so the person helping him up was pretty much his creator. And so that was mm-hmm. kind of a, a way of uh, homaging to Kevin Eastman 
uh, in the film. So I thought that was really cool. That, 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 <laughs> there is a few different homages yeah, to Eastman and Laird yeah. in, the, in the movie. I believe was it one of the pizza places? Yeah. Or something like Laird's that. Pizza. Laird's Pizza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they went to Eastman High. Eastman High. Right. Right. There you go. Yep. Um, another lore thing, because I think we're done talking about that one. Yeah. Uh, a lore thing that I thought was interesting and is different from what I'm used to for uh, TMNT stuff. It seems that um, the ooze in this doesn't transform humans. All it does is transform animals into animal-human hybrids. Right. Instead of what we've known before is like it'll transform anything. It's just whatever the last thing you touched was, that's what you'll like effectively become a human animal hybrid with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's with the turtles. The last person that they touched was the humans. And so they became human turtles. Right. And then with Splinter, uh, if he was a rat, the last person he touched was a human. So he became a rat human. But if he was, Hamato Yoshi, the last thing he touched was a rat, and so he became a rat. Uh-huh. Um, and so, but in this, it seems like um, from what Superfly was explaining, um, he was going to just mutate all the animals, and the mutation would turn them into human animal hybrids, uh, but it won't affect the humans. And then, um, then the human animal hybrids would, uh, the mutants would take over and effectively be the dominant species of the world yeah how did you feel about ice cube in the voice of superfly i mean i know he, he was interviewed and one of the things he talked about was he felt like it was an homage to the, the black exploitation film called superfly but how did you how did you how did you enjoy him as the voice actor for that particular role uh i uh, honestly um watching the movie i completely forgot that that was ice cube and i really felt like he was really portraying like a character in that which is hard to say a lot of times when i watch ice cube in movies true because every time i see him i'm just like that's just ice cube man it's just i see i see you ice cube i see you all right i know you i've heard your music okay (laughs) uh and so it's like it's weird um i can never like not take ice cube away from the characters that he's playing Mm -hmm. but in the case of Superfly, I don't see Ice Cube, and I just hear his voice acting, um, and I thought it was really great. Uh, I was really impressed with uh, how he did it. And I appreciate the fact that, like, for example, in another voice acting moment, that John Cena didn't do what he had already done. Like, I know in Rise, he did a voice in Rise as the main bad guy for the most of the first season of it. I'm still I'm working on getting the rest of the seasons. I haven't done it yet, but I'm working on it. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, I know it's taking me forever, but just mm-hmm. trust me, I'm working on it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so but I thought it was really cool him playing Rocksteady. And for the for the time. record, it, his character's name is Baron Draxum. Oh, in the Rise of the Ninja, Rise of the in Rise, yeah. yes. And so, but I love his his rendition of uh, Rocksteady. I mean, the voice acting I felt like they really did really well on the voice acting as a whole for this. Mm-hmm. Maya Rudolph, I'll get into that here in just a minute. There's an interesting thing about that. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so any, I know we t- discussed a moment. I'm sorry. I think I may have interrupted you while you were talking about yours. So you go ahead. Yeah, I was talking about the how the mutagen, uh, interestingly, I, it, it's not like transforming 
humans from what it seems like. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the only thing that we saw and from what Superfly was explaining, uh, which I thought was interesting. We also had, we had Baxter Stockman played beautifully by Giancarlo Esposito. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it like a different take on Baxter Stockman. And this is one of those instances where originally Baxter Stockman was black and then in the cartoon he was white. And then they more often than not, Baxter Stockman is black. Yeah. Um, so I've, I thought that that was also interesting. But people but no don't talk about, about that, that ooh. race swap. Right. Right. Ooh, ooh, it's, uh, it's all about April Neal. It's, it's annoying. Um, and, and so, like, it, historically, Baxter Stockman becomes the fly mutant later. Um, and in this time, we had Superfly, which was a fly that was mutated by Baxter Stockman. And then I think he died. I It's not f- super clear, but I'm pretty sure he was killed at the beginning there. And so um, I thought that was interesting. I also uh, thought it was very interesting on how these like traditionally like uh, other mutants that we've had in the past are like villains and like pretty hard villains Uh but i i appreciated it uh and i I thought it was an interesting and different take that for the most part they're all like not bad people um they just were following somebody that was really mad at humanity and wanted them to all die which was was interesting too because it kind of parallels splinter's whole view of uh humanity as well because of the fact that his experience with humanity as he went out to try to take the boys out into the world for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting too, because the two characters had something kind of in common, but the way they were trying to deal with it was different. One was like, you know, I need to protect you. I need to help you protect yourselves from it. And then the other side was like, we need to destroy him. And so it's got an interesting yep. play on something, some stuff on there too. I thought that was cool. I really did. I love, the writing was really on point for this. I feel like I thought it was very well written for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I did think it was funny how like Superfly was all like, uh, "We had two options: hide or kill all the humans," and those were <laughs> the only things that we could come up with. <laughs> it's like hide away forever in the background, or kill everybody. I'm just like. That sounds like Ice Cube, kind of, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just, and and I think the movie does paint that as all like you're being ridiculous with those are your only two options. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so funny, like how how matter of factly he says it, and how um, he's just all like, "Look, I've I've thought about this, and there's the only two things, and I'm tired of hiding, so I have to kill everyone. Right. It's, I my hands are tied here. It's like you wanted Splinter <laughs> to be like, but do you have to? Do you have to kill everybody? Do you have to? No, no, I didn't even need that. I didn't need that at all because he like Splinter. Splinter clearly like he he's more of like a, I don't like humans, but I'm just gonna hide for the rest of my life and right. like just die in the sewers eventually. But um. A, like the movie just paints it as like Superfly, like that's ridiculous. That, that those are your only two options, and I think yeah. 
I, I think because I think some people are going to be like, oh, why does Superfly think those are the only two options? That's super dumb. And I'm just like, I think the movie's telling us, yes, it's dumb that he thinks those are the only right. two options. There are certain things in movies that just when it paints the picture, it paints the picture in a very obvious way. This is not the best idea in the world. If you've ever watched a movie like Chasing Amy, for example, Bank, Banky in that movie, everything he says is written on the page of this is the wrong way to approach all of this. And, you know, mm-hmm. or other characters that are like that. And he definitely, and uh, Superfly definitely paints that picture in that broad stroke of this mm-hmm. is 100% wrong. There is no real redemption in your mindset or options for a redemption. By the way, shout out to mm-hmm. uh, the movie for reminding us that Vanilla Ice came out with a song called The Ninja Rap. Uh, while the yeah, turtles I was gonna fighting, the turtles were fighting together. To I, I was gonna bring that up. I thought I thought we were still talking about things that were changed. Oh, that, sorry, sorry. How we felt about the things that were changed. Yes. Yeah, you always bounce around when it comes to our conversations, anyway. I, so it's I, whatever. Dude. Uh, but I I did have a joke for that. Okay. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, they reminded that during the middle of that fight that they had just a little snippet of the Ninja Rap by Vanilla Ice, which goes to just prove once again definitively that the Ninja Rap is a thousand times better than T-U-R-T-L-E power. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> and that's the hill I'm standing on. Hey, I just listened <laughs> to turtle power yesterday by partners and crime thank you very much and yes i know it has that one <laughs> line in it that i'm just like i will never agree with this even when in rise of the ninja turtles they made that true i'm still like no that, no that's just not the case at the time that song was written but yeah it, it, but it's it's fun it's fun and it's fine yes um did you have any other things that uh that you really liked about the movie not necessarily things that were changed from like historically like how we're used to knowing the turtles and stuff like that because every iteration of Uh the turtles is different um and but like what were some some other uh things that you enjoyed about this film I'm going to say, here's the thing, because originally, you know, of course, I'm sitting there wondering, where is Splinter? Where is uh, Krang? And... Oh, Shredder. They technically gave us both of those? Technically. In a way? Uh, Maybe. Possibly. Possibly one of them. Definitely. Smider and I definitely, like... Smider... And, and I, like, when they were talking about, oh, Cynthia Utram over there, Smider and I looked right at each other, and we both raised an eyebrow towards each other and went, hmm. I've seen that scholar scheme before. And mm-hmm. if you notice the way she spoke, it didn't sound human. <laughs> and <laughs> also... Will, are you trying to say that people with German accents don't sound human? I'm just saying she didn't sound like a normal <laughs> human-sounding person. It's all I'm trying to say. But the other thing... She about- sounded like a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> this is how doctors talk. <laughs> but uh, the thing about it that's really interesting, like I said, is looking at... like. 
everybody else, in at least visually, had a very bouncy, very human look to them. Even the turtles, being mutated turtles, had a very nice rubbery, flowy look to them. Uh, but uh, Cynthia Ultram. Utram. Uh, Utram. I thought, well, there's an L and, oh, Utram. Okay, so Utram. I thought that was an L. Look at the cast name, but I thought that was an L. Uh, so Utram. Uh, the name of the race that uh, Krang comes from are called Utrams, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And so they. Yes, because uh, Smiter and I watched the 2003. Uh, four kids turtles mm -hmm. and they were all called utrams in that and so when you look at her color design and the, and the way she spoke and everything it's like if krang were in a robotic looking suit that looked like a human this would definitely be something like that but also <laughs> the color scheme is very much krang but just doesn't have the ball head and ball head it even has the glasses that look very krang like that that, mm -hmm. the, that the bodysuit kind of has all around the eyes. So I was just like, I just, I'm like, this is dope. Like, especially mm -hmm. if that's what they lead us to. Again, that's speculation, but at the same time, there's the roots mm -hmm. to why I think that way in this situation. Yeah, well, I, I'm also thinking that it could possibly be uh, like a red herring mm -hmm. and make you think that. And then they decide to do something else. And, I think that would be also very interesting. And then maybe you find out she's working with Krang. Mm -hmm. Like Krang shows up and it's just like, oh, yes, Master, you're here. You know, type of thing. And and maybe... It could be anything. Yeah, true. Of course, the great Maya Rudolph uh, playing the voice of uh, Cynthia Udram. Yep. So, uh, what... Other than Superfly, what mutant did you enjoy the most? Out of the mutants. Oh, <laughs> bold of you to assume that I liked Superfly. <laughs> I did like Superfly. I thought he was a, a good villain, but um, he was definitely like, okay, he's a bad guy, bad guy. I don't like him. He's bad. Um, I I think, honestly, I really liked Mondo Gecko a lot. Um, I liked his vibe. He had a good vibe, um, and I like that about him. Voice by Paul Rudd. Um, voice by Paul Rudd. That is correct. Um, but I've always been just like a fan of Leatherhead and I, I liked what they did with Leatherhead for this movie. I think Leatherhead's supposed to be female in that because it's voiced by a woman. Yep. Royce, um, Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne. Um, I love, uh, that she got to do an Australian accent for she is from Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I like that take, but as far as like the other mutants, we don't get a ton of time with them. We got so some of them. I think if we would have gotten more time with them, I think I would have liked them more. Um, I did like Wingnut. I liked that during the chase um, when when they were taking back the um, the condenser or whatever back from Superfly. Mm -hmm. uh, Wingnut was flying like next to him be like guys please stop because superflies superfly is not going to be as nice as i am and i don't remember which turtle said it i think it was donnie it was all like you're not being nice right now just like yes but superfly is going to be even less nice <laughs> right um and, and so it, it was one of the it was those things where i'm just like okay these other mutants seem like they could be like nice people they're just like 
one, they're, they're angry at humans, but I think that mostly stems because of Superfly and his like prejudice towards humans mm-hmm. and, and all of that, um, which I really liked. Um, and so I, I was, I, if, if you've known me for a long time, you know that some of my favorite characters in fiction are characters that used to be bad, but then became part of the good guy team. Right, right, right. Like, you know, uh, Shadow the Hedgehog, Vegeta, uh, any of these kinds of characters. They're, you know, they're always, they're all over fiction. Uh, the Green Power Ranger, who became the White Power Ranger. Like, he used to be a bad guy, but then he's like, he was convinced by the good guys to be good. And so I really like that for all these other characters. Bebop and Rocksteady were like big, dumb, brutish guys, but um, they could clearly become like good. And that's something that I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. with that. So I really liked a lot of the the uh, other characters, but I think if I had to choose one, I think I might just go with Mondo Gecko. Okay. Um, I definitely was a Leatherhead fan myself just because of the way they did it because it very much felt like uh, Leatherhead was kind of doing the whole Crocodile Dundee type thing. I just really, I just really enjoyed how she played it vocally, but also just the mannerisms that Leatherhead had. I thought that was neat too. Um, mm-hmm. I really kind of wish that the Baxter Stockman that they did, I didn't need the Baxter Stockman to be like drop dead gorgeous, but I, it would have been more, I think, I, <laughs> I just kind of, I was like, he is hideous as a human. Like, I don't know that he's I like that. He's not an attractive man. He's not an attractive <laughs> man. I'm like, he doesn't need to look like John Carlo Esposito, but I'm like, could he look a little bit cool or like a little bit? <laughs> Why, you a big fan of Baxter Stockman? I, you know, it's funny. Um, and I know this is going. Would you have? Would you have preferred if he looked more like? Uh, I don't need him to look like Tyler, like Tyler Perry. Perry. I don't need him to look like <laughs> Tyler Perry because I would. I would expect him to all of a sudden show up as Medea Baxter at some point, and mm-hmm. I don't need that either. Uh, or that nightmare in my head that'll probably be running around in there. Anyway, anyway. But uh, that said, um, you know, yeah, I don't. I don't. Like, he just. They just made him weird looking. You know, and I'm not for sure why. Like I said, I don't, I don't know that he necessarily died, but he definitely did kind of disappear from the scene after that. So mm-hmm. there, he, there could be a you know return of Baxter Stockman, so to speak, in the, in a future project of this or whatever. And um, maybe you know it could very well be. And so yeah, le- but Leatherhead's definitely my favorite uh, out of the group of mutants or mutates. However, you, however, they're, nope, they're mutants. Yeah. Oh, they are. That's right. They are mutants. Uh, also, yeah, this isn't this isn't like Marvel where they make a specification. Okay. They are mutants. And then uh, Post Malone, of course, playing the role of Ray Follett. Ray Follett. Ray Follett. Uh, Matt Post Malone, who, by the way, fun geek uh, news. Apparently, a guy pulled the. If you're into Magic the Gathering, you know what I'm talking about. If not, just skip ahead a few mm-hmm. seconds. Uh, the one ring. That was a serialized card in a Magic Together pack that was like sold for like over a million dollars. That literally was serialized as a one of one. A guy pulled it here in the states, I think, and then like Post Malone went to go buy the card from the guy at the at their local store just so they could get an article out of it, just so it could be like you know to promote the store as well. Because Post Malone's an avid Magic the Gathering player, mostly Commander, I think is his favorite format. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a little fun fact for you if you're into Post Malone. 
which I mean, other than Sunflowers, I really could care less about most of the rest of the music. I don't know another song by Post Malone other than Sunflowers from Enter the Spider-Verse, but that's beside the point. Uh, so Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Yeah, true. I think I said could. Yeah, mm. I said that improperly. There you go. English <laughs> lesson of the day, people. Anyway, uh, next question. We talked about the April controversy earlier. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna, it's a dumb one. It, it very much so. So I'm going to ask you this question. Is yes. this your, one of your favorite iterations of April? That's hard to say. April, uh, April's like, she goes up and down with me. Honestly, I think, like, she was great for this movie. Um, and I think, like, April's energy needs to be different depending on which iteration she's in. Right. Like, uh, the 2003 TMNT show, April becomes very capable and actually learns how to fight and is like awesome like that and the classic one april was always a damsel in distress and was there to be kind of hot and to be like looked at that way um and then uh 2012 she was younger and uh was meant to be like a human friend um and in this one i like that she's she's a high schooler and she's an investigative reporter um who was very, very nervous about being in front of camera, yeah. which I feel like is a very uh, relatable issue right. with teenagers. Um, especially when I was that age, I was like, I don't want to be on camera like ever, even though I liked performing and stuff. And it took a long time for me to like get over that fear to now I'm, I'm more than uh, capable of uh, being in front of a crowd. As long as I have like a script to read, if I'm needing to, like uh just kind of wing it on stage then i'm I'm gonna have some troubles but um i did like that about april i really liked this april and i like that she has a desire to be an uh, an investigative reporter and to like get in there and get the news and stuff um i guess that's kind of what megan fox's april was also <laughs> trying to do megan fox april it's so funny. Right. Well, I mean, like, we got to be fair yeah. and include all of true, them, right? True, true, true. And so, like, um, I also really liked April in the original live action movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that she was fun and an interesting character. And she was really, like, she was a connection to the outside world as well as trying her best to, like, keep people from, like, finding out about the turtles and like freaking out about them and stuff. And then at the end of secret of the use, the hashtag best turtles piece of media ever to exist. Um, they were like, okay, yeah, we're just gonna, we're going to go live our lives. And like now the, the public knows all about them and stuff. <clears throat> and, um, but I like this April. I thought she was good. Uh, I think I, just because of how much I like rise of the TMNT, I think, rises april is great because she's just like a ball of kinetic energy and you know she she doesn't need rescuing no and she's i think she's great i think she's probably my favorite but this april i think is one of the very good ones Mm -hmm. as opposed to one of the ones that are just kind of there and kind of to be like attractive or just to look at or whatever. Yeah. I think she's a very good April. Yeah. I appreciate the people out there who were trying to say, like, why they got to make the females look frumpy. Uh, 
I'm like, what about people that have love for big girls? I'm just saying, like, they, big girls exist in the world. Yeah, she's a little wide. She's a little so wide. It's okay. Like, she's not, you know, every, okay, here's, I'm going to give a like, point counterpoint. Th- oh, go ahead. I, I think that if somebody's going to have an argument like that, you should just point at Baxter Stockman and just be like, stop complaining or we'll turn you into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw some of the original character designs for the, for the, for her beforehand. And I, here's the thing. I'm going to give a point counterpoint in the same sentence. Yes. We, there, oh, the world has attractive, gorgeous women in it all over the world. Uh, go no further than Gal Gadot, who was on Hot Ones this week. Okay. I mean, and there's several that I'm leaving out just for sake of time. At the same time, every girl doesn't look like Gal Gadot or Beyonce or Halle Berry. Okay. Every girl shouldn't look like that because we all have different shapes and sizes. Okay. So if April in this iteration looks one way, that doesn't mean she needs to look that way in every single iteration. That's not fair to limit her to that way if everything else can change based on different iterations. Mm-hmm. So at the other side of that, it's okay. So you want representation in media. But then when somebody does the, okay, hey, this version of April is going to be a little bit chunkier, a little bit thicker than the standard model, people will be like, oh, you're making all the women ugly. Why can't we have attractive women? I'm like, well, wait a minute. What's more relatable to most of us? I don't know. It depends on your worldview, I guess, of what you look like. But you can't have representation without representing everything. You, you 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 don't get to say every woman should be gorgeous, knockout, drop dead gorgeous in every iteration of everything, and then be like, but we need representation of the girls who don't look like that, too. Because if you want representation, you have to be willing to accept the fact that this version of April is going to look this way. And the thing about that is it's animated. That can change between now and the next time that we see her, if they wanted to. They can show us some different things. Maybe, you know, over the course of the between this movie and the next movie, April's running around in a full yellow jumpsuit and she's running around chasing after stories and doing all this crazy stuff. You know, you never know. She becomes more athletic. There are a lot of options. And of course, the thing about this too is that I think it's interesting as a bigger dude myself, being in front of a camera does take a bit to work or overcome because you're sitting there looking at how how am I gonna be received? And of course. The reason they did it was even funnier that she kind of throws up all over the screen because she got so nervous and everything. I think, was it nervous because of the throw up or was it something else? I want to make sure. Yeah, it it was on screen nerves. It was just nerves. Okay. So, yeah. So, of course, it's kind of hard to overcome that too because everybody's going to remember it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so, yeah. So, that's all I'm saying is that Halle Berry, you can be a Halle Berry, but. Sometimes you need to have a Lizzo, and now I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. You need a Lizzo-shaped person in a role, too, if you're going to represent everybody. So, that's my point, counterpoint to that. But overall, I enjoyed April. I thought that she was great as far as the first, the first humanity that the Turtles themselves met. And the fact that she defied everything that Splinter had told them about humanity. 
So to understand it, everybody's not going to look at them the same way. Yeah, yeah, she freaked out a bit, but she but she got over it real quick. But she was like, they, you saved my life. You know, and then they got this interesting thought of, well, if we save people's lives, then maybe they'll accept us. You know, and that's kind of the whole thing. But it's also just, you know, something teenagers deal with. What do I need to do to be accepted? What would my world be? Because there's teenagers that feel like mutants, <laughs> even though they're not based on who they are. And so I thought that was really cool how they played that as well. So that's why I love April is because while they were meeting a human, she didn't have it all together either. And so I'm glad that they met a human being who was dealing with a lot of the same stuff they were dealing with. Because if they had met a human and she was just like, oh, I'm a reporter, I'm loved, I'm on a TMZ type thing on my high school, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm the, I'm the ready to go. Kind of the way they portray Lois Lane in most generations. Like, I want to be the, I want to get a Pulitzer Prize by the time I'm 24 years old. I want to do this, 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 and this. I, wanna, I have all my life goals out. I have my chart out. I have my dream journal out here. I have all my other stuff. I have all my plans in order. April isn't like that. So I'm glad they played her that way. So the next question I'm going to ask, of course, is the big fight near the end. Did mm -hmm. they stick the landing on it? And how did you feel about the brothers coming together at the end of it all? I mean, uh, they definitely, it, it was definitely a different take than what I've seen in the past. Um, I don't know when was the last time that the turtles had a big old kaiju fight in New York. <laughs> uh, I could be wrong because I haven't ingested all turtle media. So maybe it could have happened before, but I'm not 100% sure if somebody's listening that knows of an instance, please share it with Will. Um, but uh, they decided to do something different. Uh, and I thought it was very cool. Um, and it really gave all the different brothers an opportunity to show what they're good at. And so I thought that that was, uh, that was great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I definitely felt like that there was a little bit of a nod to the super shredder thing without them being directly referencing super shredder. And that instead they're just like, well, what can we do to make it? Oh, we're just going to turn it into a kaiju size dude. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just making a is that a reference to Super Shredder? Slightly bigger because, of course, in the second Ninja Turtles movie, of course, the great incomparable quad blowing Kevin Nash uh, was Super Shredder, and of course, he takes the mutagen and he becomes jacked, huge, ripped version of himself, but nowhere near as big as a kaiju. Yeah, you know. So it might have been a it might have been a hat tip to that without being a direct hat tip to it. That's just that what I saw it. That's what I thought. So <laughs> okay, I was gonna say I I hope you have like uh, proof that no, that was that, intended. That, that wasn't intended by me. Not have been intended by the studio, but that's definitely what I saw when I watched it. There you go. We can say that at least. So, and of course we had to reference the uh, the 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 mid credit scene. Where they gave us mm -hmm. the that name, that name that we know so well. If you're a Turtles fan, the man, the myth, the legend, the thing that sounds like a, it's, it's like the perfect thing to cut up all sorts of cheeses, the Shredder. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really cool. Like, and I'm gonna say this too because I want to talk about that because 
this point's the one thing I love about the movie overall. The art style is very unique. It felt like somebody yes. painted a bunch of stuff and then somehow was able to animate what they painted. And I would love to sit down maybe with the art book or, you know, <laughs> if I could find the person that did the character designs and the different things like that and talk to them about how they brought those characters, how they animate, what kind of process they went through to animate I know in an interview with Seth Rogen, one of the things he said blew his mind, of course, was Enter the Spider-Verse. And so he said when he saw that movie, he was like, he was pointing at different points of the screen. He was going, I want this movie to look like that version of this person. <laughs> I just want the whole, all the animation to look like that. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really cool that Enter the Spider-Verse was something that it was referenced as an inspiration point for this movie. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of the the shredder um the shredder appearance? Oh, you mean like the the 2 seconds we got to yeah. see us some like sharp shoulders? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. Um it it was a teaser. <laughs> I don't I don't really have any strong feelings about teasers. <laughs> I know, but it gives us it, it gives us something to look forward to when they do the next one. Whatever we the next one. Hopefully if we get the next one. Look, uh, it's clear that this movie is doing financially well, and it's being very well received both by critics and audiences. So it's very likely. Like, let's not forget that the uh, other live action, the 2014 live action one, um, it wasn't very well received, and it got a sequel. Yeah, true. So <laughs> this one is very well received. So if it doesn't get a sequel, I'll be upset. Yeah, but. Um, and, uh, Smider Pyman and I were talking about this on stream yesterday. Um, there have been so many times in movies where they like tease the sequel at the end, but then they weren't successful enough to get a sequel afterwards. And so whenever I see the teasing like that, I, it kind of annoys me because I'm all like, there could be any number of things that could stop that from happening. It's unlikely that it will be stopped from happening, let's be honest, Um, because this movie was really good. Um, But whenever they tease like that, I'm just all like, well, I just sure hope it gets made. That would be nice. Yeah, true, true. Uh, One thing I think is interesting, too, you mentioning that. And, uh, of course, this is also, I don't care what anybody says, like, I loved Mario Brothers movie. And it did really well for Mario's movie. The problem is this summer has pretty much been the summer of Oppenheimer and Barbie. So, you know. Depends on how you look at it, but sure. Well, I mean, as far as money being made in movies. <laughs> well, yes. You know, they're, they're making a lot more money than most other movies that are coming out these days. Of course, that's another. It, it, people keep talking about Blue Beetle and talking about, oh, it's going to be the worst DC movie ever made. I'm like, oh. Uh, I don't want that to be the case because I'm like I want I want this movie to do well because it's Blue Beetle. It's a character that you know, it's a character that's a cool character, and I hope it does well. But that's just me. That's not Ninja Turtles related. So why am I talking about it? I don't know because I do that sometimes. I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, but overall, I, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I definitely would want to watch it a few more times just because it's just, it's gorgeous. Like I said, I want to find an mm-hmm. art book for it. I want to find out how they, what they use to animate it, and how they brought it all together. Oh, it's a and computer. Well, I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> I 
that much. They thing. used a computer. Yes, <laughs> and probably some pencils, and maybe some paper, and maybe some you know, coloring stuff and stuff and styluses and things. You know, but somebody had to do some character designs when they got put in a computer. I'm just saying that there may have been some. Yeah, there may have been some pencil and paper in there before it got in a computer. But anyway, uh, so overall, you guys enjoyed the movie, and I'm glad y'all did. Yes. And um, I enjoyed the yes, movie yes, as well. Yes, we really, really enjoyed it. And so it was a good I time. liked it a lot. And so uh, I don't think I have much else to say on the film as a whole. Do you have anything else you'd like to say on the film we haven't discussed? I do. Um one thing that's been going on lately is um, discussions around CGI animators and uh, like other animators in general. Uh, I don't know if it's happening so much with 2D animators because not a lot of 2D animated movies have been made recently. Or if they have been, they haven't been high profile. Um, if you have a really cool 2D animated movie that you enjoyed, please leave a comment about it and then I'll because I want to watch some. Um, but, uh, most of the animation industry is being done with 3d animations. Um, one of the big ones, obviously that came out was, uh, across the spider verse. And then there was also this one. Um, the thing is, is that it's been recently reported that, uh, the people that were working on across the spider verse, and now that they're also working on beyond the spider verse, um, there's a lot of kind of crunch and uh, long hours that are being done in there. And it's been not super great for the animators. And uh, since the Writers Guild of America is striking and the Screen Actors Guild is striking um, and more and more people are, there's talks about unionizing with Starbucks. And uh, I believe they successfully had a union start for one of the Amazon warehouses. And um, right now we're in the midst of like an entertainment, um, I don't want to say fiasco, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the entertainment industry right now. It's kind of grinding a lot of stuff to a halt. Uh-huh. And part of that is people wanting proper compensation and being taken care of when they're working on projects. And I was, I'm very, very pleased to announce that there is a deadline uh, article that came out titled Seth Rogen made sure Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem animators were not overworked and had, quote, really good work-life balance. Uh-huh. And so I'm, I'm very happy to hear that uh, Seth Rogen and um, the director Jeff Rowe and one of the other producers, Evan Goldberg, made sure that the staff could... Uh, work on the animated movie while continuing to made to can uh, have a healthy work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says on a quote in here that it was a thing that was really important to us on this film. It was very important to us that we learn on this film uh, from Seth and Evan because uh, I know uh, Seth, and I'm all like, he has a really good life work-life balance, and everyone. Uh, at Pointy Gray does, Rose said in an interview with Insider. And I also asked him what uh, he is like. Well, uh, we're like when you're doing live action, sometimes you're on the set for 40 days in a row and it's exhausting and tiring. And we want to make sure our people have time away from that and and it doesn't become their entire lives. 
He continued, I really took that to heart and wanted to make sure that when we made this film, we did it ethically. According to Roe, the staff worked three days a week with some opting to work from home in Scotland. Um, we'd be like, great, let's figure that out and let's accommodate that because that's your process and that's what leads you to make your best art, mm -hmm. Roe said. And we would often do that with most of the team and just try to make sure everyone always felt supported. Um, there's more in the article uh, and it's talking about it, but um, I'm very, very pleased to know that um, they wanted to make sure that the animators were not overworked and underpaid and other things like that, like so many other people in the industry uh, have been doing to now to the point that um, uh, it's been reported and I have to look it up for where it is, but it seems as though um, a lot of the VFX artists for a lot of the big studios are also looking into unionizing and looking into getting better work conditions for them as well mm -hmm. because we've been getting so many reports of vfx companies being overworked and getting paid very little um even to the point where the the vfx company that worked on life of pi shut down even though life of pi got like all the awards and was very successful yeah but the company shut down because they were not being properly compensated for the hard work that they did and what people considered to be one of the best looking uh, pieces of CGI that they've done for a movie from that year. So, yeah, gotcha. Um, I, I just wanted to make sure that we talked about like, I'm very happy to know that the animators were taken care of. I have animated in the past and I want to continue animating in the future. Um, but I know that it takes a long time and it's exhausting and it's tough, but to know that there are people that want to help and compensate and, and make like animating like a little less stressful and tiring. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's great. And, um, I really hope that they can figure that out for Beyond the Spider-Verse and any other new uh, animated thing that comes out in the near future. We'll see what happens because of the, the strikes that are going on, how long it's right. going to take for something new to come out. But like, there's a reason why people think uh, Across the Spider-Verse is stunning to look at, that Puss in Boots The Last Wish is stunning to look at, and this movie is really, really stunning to look at. Um, it's a gorgeous film and I'm glad that, um, that the, the people up on top knew that in order to make the best work, you really gotta give your passionate artists the time and the money and everything that they need to make sure that that passion project comes out really good. Right. Well, and a rumor has it, and of course I've been seeing it on like social media, but it's been more like posts. I haven't seen references yet. So that's why I say rumor right now. Uh, is that supposedly the Marvel VFX team has formed a union that they are working to try to make sure that they're not getting overworked in the future projects that M yep. the MCU does. So we'll see how that shapes. And, and, and you're right. There is a lot of entertainment. There's a lot of stuff changing in entertainment. And not all of it's good. Uh, 
I know that back when the writer strike started, we haven't really sat down and done a whole episode on the writer strike and the actor strike and everything. I've been trying to get mm-hmm. some people who have been writers for Hollywood on the show to kind of explain it from their perspective before we talk about it, just so we can mm-hmm. have some people that actually have done this and everything, and not just some you know some some guys who love entertainment sitting out talking about it and seeing how it affects the thing. But one of the things they pitched was they were just like, well, we could do AI. We could basically have background actors come in and did AI registers of their faces and everything, and then keep those keep those images to use for future projects, and right. they not have any rights to their own face or anything. And so basically, we can then use their face and all this other stuff in future projects. And I'm like, so you want to take somebody's face, scan it? And have a scan on files you can use for backgrounds or others. So that way you don't have to pay that actor or actress to do future work. Which if they're starting yes. out doing background work, like a lot of your big actors did. I mean, Morgan Freeman, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Clint Eastwood, as a matter of fact, Harrison Ford. A lot of different people started out as background actors and background scenes. Most people do. You know, and eventually, you know, they climb the ranks. But you can't do that if they're like, oh, well, you know, we can... We can we can just we got the background person. We never have to cast that person again. Because then that comes to question: if Morgan Freeman, let's say, started off now and they did an AI capture of his face, and then Morgan Freeman became Morgan Flippin' Freeman, the question then becomes: Can you use that image anymore? Because now he's a recognizable celebrity. Can you use that image that you have saved? Mm-hmm. Well, since the contract states that you can use it for opportunity, you know. What's to say you never need to hire Morgan Freeman to act? You just use his face in a CG right. and your thing. You know, and it's just like, come on, guys. We got to do better. I understand AI is quicker. I understand you ain't got to pay AI to do things. You got to, they got to pay more money to the one guy that monitors it than the people, than the AI mm-hmm. systems themselves. But I'm like, writers need to write, man. You got to leave some things in human hands because otherwise we're going to get some of these projects that we've gotten. We've got a lot of projects that feel like they were written by robots. They don't feel like they have soul in them anymore. And who, yep. who wants that as entertainment, really? Mm-hmm. And um, that doesn't really have much to do with this movie, but good point. Oh, the other the other bit of controversy, which I don't feel is another non-traversy. Uh, I think that was the word you coined a while back, um, was a non-traversy. And that was the scumbug thing where scum, scumbug. Yeah, what about so scumbug? So scumbug has, in the character designs, even up to the poster, uh, where it says scumbug as himself. And so in the movie, there's that moment mm-hmm. where there's some moments where, of course, Splinter and him are kissing. Him are kissing. And, but then in the movie... Every time they describe Scumbug, it's she. Even down to where, uh, you know, they say, yeah. you know, well, she is beautiful to me. That's all that matters. And so then they kiss. And of course, the boys are like, ah, but that's because they're teenage boys and teenagers are going to do that when you see your parents just making out in front of you. Uh, but a lot of people were upset. They were saying, oh, they changed it. Scumbug, more than likely, is supposed to be an LB- LGBTQ representation. And they changed it to be female instead, even though everything was saying it was male. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I've not heard anybody say one way or another that it was specifically the plan. 
I do remember seeing the posters, and I do know in the posters it does say Scumbag is himself. And so, but I'm just like, they're mutants. I don't really know why there's such a big hubbub about it in the first place. You know, but it is what it is on that. So, you know, I, I just would think kissing a... Yeah, they use, they use she, her pronouns for right, Scumbag they did. That's in what I'm the saying. movie. I remember that there was people like shouting about this, but like watching the movie, like she, they kept yeah. saying her, she. But of course, they, I think a lot of people so too like, were like mixing it up because in the comics, Scumbug was a mutant roach that was originally a human that was a uh, exterminator, bug exterminator. And so it was a human who got more transformed. He, I think Shredder and the foot were in there fighting the turtles and they got, they somehow got, he got mutagen on him. And of course it was mutagen with the roach and him. So then he became scumbag, which is a basically humanoid roach. And so a lot of people were saying it as, oh, well, mm -hmm. you know, he was a male character in the comics. He was a male. I was like, again, I was like, they have the right to change it, you know, to whatever, you know, they have the right to change it to whatever they choose to change it to. You know, if, if scumbag, because, I mean, you know, again, Leatherhead, Leatherhead oh, was male I'm in reading. every iteration prior, but yet in this yeah. movie, Leatherhead was female. I wasn't sure if Wingnut is also, I think like, Wingnut's traditionally traditionally male, male as well. I do believe he is. At least in the Archie comics, he was. I don't, yeah. I think so, but obviously... Uh, Leatherhead, Wingnut, and Scumbug are all female in this. And uh, I'm looking up Screen Rant, and uh, yeah, there's an explanation. Apparently, the himself thing, according to the director, uh, it was a marketing mistake, and they were actually very mad about that. Uh, we always imagined her to be a female cockroach. So the, the director himself said, Scumbug okay. is female. But the, it was a marketing thing because the only thing that is shown yeah. is because of the poster. Like, nothing else points to right, Scumbug right, being right, right. male at all. And so that, that's just, that's, and, and, and that again, uh, <laughs> talk about uh, marketing mistakes. Uh, Gal Gadot, you, you really should have learned from Henry Cavill. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure you're, you're aware of the whole Gal Gadot thing going on. Okay, so side I'm to not. the news section. We got one news article, minor thing, real quick. Uh, so during her promotion of Heart of Stone, Heart of Stone for Netflix, of course, it dropped on this past Friday at time of recording. Uh, she was out there. And of course, people asked her because when you're most famous for playing the Wonder Woman, you're, you're going to get asked, hey, you know, the DC universe is changing. What have you, what have you heard? You know, things like that. And Gal Gadot came out and basically said, well, um, James, uh, uh, James Gunn, myself, and Peter Safran sat down and had a meeting, and uh, they're planning on doing a Wonder Woman three with me, and they told me I was going to be in the best hands and all this other stuff, and we're good to go. We just got to work on it and everything, and get the get get something really concrete worked out. And then, like, maybe two days later, I think Screen Rant came out and was talking about how Warner Brothers came out and said there was no plans for a Wonder Woman 3. Nor, if there were plans to do a Wonder Woman 3, there were no plans to do it with Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. 
Because the whole point of the reboot that James Gunn is doing is it's a reboot of the universe. So there's no plans to move forward with it. Have, have, no plans have been, have been discussed with anyone on what the plans are for Wonder Woman going forward. And so when I say, you know, we got to learn from Henry Cavill, of course, Henry Cavill's was a little bit different because, of course, you know, he had the rock in his ear. And, and of course, the uh, rock's agent telling him, you know, yeah, we're going to get you back in Superman and we're going to work to get DC to do Superman to it. And James Gunn and Peter Saffron just like, yeah, we didn't hire him. <laughs> and so it's just, you know, yeah. it's, 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 man, you got to, you gotta be careful when you go out there talking about stuff like that. Like you gotta, like it's better to ask twice. Like, hey, before I go out here and start promoting this, I just need yeah. to know because we know the Wonder Woman question's coming. Am I good with Wonder Woman, or if y'all got something else planned? If y'all got something else planned, I just need to know so I mm -hmm. don't go out here and say something and then make somebody look crazy because Twitter has been going crazy with people accusing James Gunn of lying to Gal Gadot. They're accusing Gal Gadot of lying about the initial meeting. And so, like, James Gunn and them haven't really responded to the meeting one way or the other. It's just Warner Brothers has been the one that came out basically said, yeah, no, that's not that's not something that's happening right now. We've had, had to, we've not had that mm -hmm. discussion with James Gunn and Peter Safran concerning Wonder Woman 3. So, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, could they want to have her in it? Possibly. But... I guess we'll find uh -huh. out when they finally say one way or the other what's going to happen. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. Would I like to see Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman again? Possibly. Would I like to see them really sit down and reflesh out the whole thing? Because when you don't have two of the three Trinity members it coming back, it doesn't really make sense to have one of the members of the Trinity come back in the role. You know, but that's just me. So. But what do I know? I'm just a fan. Mm -hmm. So, there you go. But anyway, any last thoughts on uh, TN, TMNT, Mutant Mayhem, before we wrap this up? Uh, I just, I, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I like the different take on everything. Um, I, I am very interested to see what they're going to continue to do with it. Um, if this is going to continue to be a thing, how many they're going to make. Because uh, one thing that I, I'm not a big fan of is them continuing to make more and more mm -hmm. and more sequels. I like seeing new, different takes on things. Um, and so that's something that I really, really liked about this was the fact that they decided to do something new, something different. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I enjoyed okay. it for what it was. Uh I will say this too is my end wrap up here, real simple. Um, and I haven't really thought about going and buying toys in a long time. But I will say this. I do love the look of the toys that are coming from this movie. Like the toys look really, really like they're plucked out of the animation. I really like the toys. Like they look really good. And I hope that kids get them with their parents and I hope they get them and they buy them and they play with them and have all sorts of Ninja Turtle fun. Um, they're not exactly like the original toys from back in the day, which they shouldn't be uh, because this isn't exactly that project. Yeah. But man, they're gorgeous. Uh, looks like there's an art of Teenage, 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem coming out. It's on pre-order right now on Amazon for $35.99 for October the 3rd. And no, we're not getting paid for that. I'm just looking it up to see if there's a hardcover book for the art of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem because I want it. I, I like mean, art books. I like art I books. Do. I like them a lot. See, the problem is, is that it's going to make me broke because the Across the Spider-Verse art book is like 3482. So it's just like, ugh. <laughs> to space out my purchases, y'all. I cannot buy all the art books at the mm -hmm. same time. I have to do things like adult and pay bills and such. But anyway, uh, y'all have been a great pleasure as always. Thank you, first of all, for listening. Uh, thank you, Jingles, for coming on and talking with me about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Um, and uh, for sure. Smiter, hands up for you. Uh, we get y'all next week. We'll, we'll let Smiter have a moment where he gets to talk about his feelings on the mutant mayhem before we get into our main topic. So, but anyway, it has been a pleasure as always talking with each and every one of you. Thank you for joining us for this conversation on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mutant mayhem and other news tidbits, apparently that I didn't know I was even going to talk about today, but oh well. Uh, and above all else, guys, do mm -hmm. me a favor. Jingles, last words. Uh, go ninja, go ninja, go, go, go. Go, All go. right, and mine is, remember, whenever you're in a situation of power, don't let anybody let you tell you your light can't shine and find your own turtle power. Anyway, thank you for listening to us, and above all else, guys, do me a favor, be blessed, be a blessing to somebody. Take care.